hateable shifters, it's Catherine. For some of you, it may have been a minute since you've heard from me since we stopped producing episodes last year. But I want you to know I'm still working hard on all sorts of issues and stories about challenging the status quo of motherhood and beyond, and that the Double Shift community is thriving. In case you didn't know, I now write a weekly newsletter available to all on Wednesdays where I cover topics like why your working conditions as a parent are unacceptable, how to make friends as an adult, if organized religion is a cure for our community care crisis, and why your messy house may be your superpower. I'm including links to some of my favorites in the show notes. If you liked the Double Shift podcast, I think you'll love the newsletter. You can subscribe by going to thedoubleshift.com slash newsletter. That's thedoubleshift.com slash newsletter. It's also linked in the show notes. And for those of you who love Double Shift ideas and stories, but don't have time to read newsletters, I totally get it. And I want you to know that members of the Double Shift get an audio version of the newsletter every week read by yours truly. It's not the same as a podcast, but you get all of the Double Shift goodness in your favorite podcast player, in your ears while you are commuting or doing the dishes or whatever you're doing, and you can stay connected to this exciting work. Membership starts at $7 a month. You also get members-only threads on Thursdays, which honestly are so thoughtful and great, and knock on wood, I have never in a year and a half had to delete a comment, which in the age of internet flamethrowing, this is just like, it's so rare. And this is just a such a wonderful, supportive, great community, which is just very hard to find in my opinion. We also do monthly virtual hangouts, which are so lively and fun. We have different topics and guests, or sometimes they're just free for all conversations. You can be part of this by going to thedoubleshift.com slash join. That's thedoubleshift.com slash join. Also, if you want in on this community, but it's not in the budget right now, that's totally cool because other double shifters have donated memberships for those who can't afford it because we don't want anyone to feel left out. So email me at askthedoubleshift at gmail.com. That's Ask the double shift at gmail.com if you would like a donated membership and I will get you set up. So the reason I'm popping into your feed today is because this year I've been a fellow at the Better Life Lab at New America and I have just published a report out this week called A Playbook to Transform How America Cares, the Care Movement's Winning Tactics, Lessons, and Case Studies from the Pandemic Era and Beyond. I'm so excited to share this because it's the result of reporting, research, and over 40 interviews with some of the key leaders in the care movement and offers a practical playbook for how policymakers, activists, business leaders, care workers, philanthropists, media and cultural influencers, and care consumers can be a powerful part of a burgeoning care movement. The report also identifies eight tactics, which I've honed in on, which are paired with case studies that are crucial for large-scale social change. The list I've, I've identified includes power building, union organizing, ballot initiatives, political money, 
narrative change, building a bigger tent, fighting the opposition, and effective messaging. So if you want to dive in, I'm linking to it and the key findings in the show notes. So for someone like me who writes about issues facing mothers and caregivers, there is usually plenty of opportunity to highlight problems. What I loved about working on this is I got to really focus on solutions and not just pie in the sky utopian ideas, but very practical tactics that are already working. And more people definitely need to know about these things. Also, I learned a ton, which is a great feeling when you've already spent years covering a certain beat. So today, I am going to share with you all, listeners of The Double Shift, what I normally share only with paying members of The Double Shift, which is an audio version of the newsletter. So you can get a little taste of what I'm up to and experience one of the best perks of being a Double Shift member. So don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thedoubleshift.com newsletter. And if you'd like to become a member with great benefits, like an audio newsletter, and to support this work, go to thedoubleshift.com join. That's thedoubleshift.com join. So let's dive into some of the report findings with this week's audio newsletter. So today I'm going to share three points from the report related to making progress on care issues in the political arena. Point number one, the care movement is getting ready for 2024 and beyond. Yep, the next federal election is over a year away, but activists have already been planning for it for months. While the outcome of the Biden administration's Build Back Better social agenda is widely known, it failed. Um, Much of the progress care advocates made, given the minuscule financial resources they had, is a big success story that deserves more attention. What's the difference between the climate change movement and the care movement? Kristen Rowe Finkbeiner, the CEO of Moms Rising, asked, referring to the climate change package that was able to pass separately after Build Back Better's social agenda failed. Her answer is tens of millions of dollars and several decades of concerted organizing. She says, I bring that up not to be bitter, but to show how much we were able to accomplish relative to the environmental movement with less time and less money. That shows true momentum for these care policies. And just to give further insight into the difference in spending between care groups and other groups, According to Open Secrets data, during 2021 and 2022, when Build Back Better and the Inflation Reduction Act uh, lobbying was going on, the top three environmental lobbying groups outspent care lobbying groups about three to one. Also, the top three care groups had 1.4% of the lobbying spend compared to top business groups that fiercely opposed Build Back Better because of its funding component to increase corporate taxes. So in the newsletter, I have a graph or a a sort of bar graph comparison of the spendings of these different groups. And, you know, it's just the care lobby had 1.4% of the resources of, you know, three of the biggest groups that lobbied against Build Back Better 
which is the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the Business Roundtable, and the National Retail Federation. It's just not really a competition in terms of, of political resource and capital and connections. So while those three business groups lobbied on a range of issues in 2021 to 2022, not just Build Back Better, they they lobby on so many different issues. But that just gives you a sense of the financial might behind the opposition to federal care policies. So based on lessons learned, care movement leaders are refusing to be politically sidelined again. And I want to just share two exciting political spending initiatives that are cooking right now. So Care Can't Wait Action is a new coalition of care groups, and they are aiming to raise $50 million for the 2024 election with the goal of making care a central voting issue. Also, the Campaign for a Family-Friendly Economy has a $40 million goal for the 2024 election, and they are running programs across seven swing states. Okay, point number two I want to share. CARE is a ballot blockbuster. So CARE policies about childcare, pre-K, and paid leave are popular across the political spectrum in red and blue states when put directly to voters. My report found that bold, meaningful, and even more costly proposals can often do as well or better or better at the ballot box than smaller incremental ones. The report also highlights that voters from across the country have demonstrated they are willing to raise their own taxes, vote to raise their own taxes for meaningful policies related to care backed by well-run campaigns. So here are a few of the success stories. In 2020, Multnomah, a county in Oregon that includes the city of Portland, passed a preschool for all initiative that funds universal pre-K for all three and four-year-olds. It is funded by an anticipated $202 million a year in anticipated revenue raised from a new income tax on wealthy individuals. Another example is that through a new property tax, the city of New Orleans passed a ballot initiative in 2022 that will access over $40 million annually for early childhood seats for up to 2,000 low-income children. And I have a full case study uh, about that in the report. Escambia County in Florida, in the Florida Panhandle, passed a ballot initiative with 61% of the vote that is now raising $10 million per year for 10 years for children's services funded through a property tax. This passed in 2020 at the same time that Donald Trump won the same area with 57% of the vote. There are, in case you didn't know, over 50 local funds across the country that raise $1.5 billion annually for children's well-being, which is really amazing. So in the face of federal inaction and statehouse stalemates, it may be one of the most effective levers out there, ballot initiatives, for taxpayers to get the care funding that they need. Also, check out my op-ed this week in Time about how ballot initiatives are one of the most promising ways to fund childcare without needing Congress to step in. I will also include a link to that in the show notes. Okay, point number three about politics and care. So the third point is strongly countering the opposition is needed. 
When movement leaders find themselves facing active campaigns from better funded corporations, like what I was talking about, and business groups and social conservatives, when I was talking about that lobbying money, this is what I'm talking about. Identifying and defining the narrative around who's fighting against care policies and why might help coalesce strength. You need to make it clear what the impediments are, said progressive messaging strategist Anat Schenker Osario. There has to be a contrast and there has to be a villain. Otherwise, why is it that we don't have these things? What's going to animate people to get into and sustain the fight? I think this is a great point. Clearly naming and shaming the corporate greed that fosters inequality needs to be a part of the playbook as a counterbalance to corporations who fight against tax increases. So I hope you've enjoyed a little snippet of this reporting from the report. There's a ton more goodness in the playbook, so I am including a link to the report highlights, which this newsletter is adapted from, and the full report in the show notes. You can download it to a PDF and send it to your Kindle if that is your kind of thing. So much appreciation to Bridget Schulte and the Better Life Lab for supporting this work. So after all this writing and the reporting marathon, I am now off on a whirlwind of business trips. And this week's members only thread will be asking you all what you love about work travel. So double shift members can get that in their inboxes this Thursday. I look forward to hearing your comments. If you are going to be at the MH Work Life Care Summit tomorrow, Thursday, the October 26th in New York City, please find me and say hello. And if you're going to be at CareFest next week, November 2nd and 3rd in Los Angeles, please also come find me. I'm starting my whirlwind of travel. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you like what you heard, be sure to sign up for the written newsletter that's available to all at thedoubleshift.com slash newsletter. And if you want to support this work and get audio newsletters like this one weekly, go to thedoubleshift.com slash join. That's thedoubleshift.com slash join to become a member. It starts at $7 a month. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting The Double Shift and stay in touch.